Welcome to This Is Who I Am. I'm your host, Rosie Leach, a leading self-love and happiness coach. This is the podcast where I help you fall in love with yourself and break free from people-pleasing, self-doubt and fear. It's time for you to proudly say, this is who I am. Hello and welcome back to another episode of This Is Who I Am. Now, I'm excited about this episode. I am turning 30 in a couple of months time. So my birthday's in June, I'm turning 30 and it's one of those things, isn't it? In life, it feels like a pivotal moment. I'm thinking, wow, I'm entering a new decade of my life. And one of the things that I've been doing and I'm trying to do before I have that big birthday is reflect on my 20s. As you know, if you've listened to previous episodes, I'm big on reflection and self-understanding and looking back at things because I think it really helps to make sense of things. I think it really helps to to learn from the past and to understand it and to deal with any emotions that might be left over. And so I really wanted to sit down and look at what I've learned. And realistically, one of the best things I can do is teach you what I've learned because A, you don't have to make the mistakes I've made. And I think we're all in that you know, whatever phase of life you're at, there's things you wish yourself 10 years ago would have known. I wish that I could tell 20-year-old Rosie the list of things I've got in front of me that I'm going to tell you. Because, you know, I had to learn those lessons the hard way. And, you know, at the same time, without those mistakes, my life would be very different. So I'm grateful for every single one of them. But I think there's a lot going around at the moment about how we can really have shared experiences and share our knowledge with each other so that we can learn and we can make changes at a younger age and we don't have to find ourselves approaching our 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, with so much of ourselves undiscovered and so many things in our lives that aren't in line with who we are or what we really want. So I have got 12 things that I have made a list of that I learned during my 20s and I'm going to share them with you. So I'm going to get stuck straight in with number one. Changing your body and trying to change your body is never going to make you happy. I have spent years believing that my body and how it looked was important, that it you know, defined me in some way, believing that when it looked a certain way, I would be happy and really placing a lot of worth in my body. Now, don't get me wrong, I am very big into health and fitness and loving my body and nourishing my body. And my body is really important in terms of what it does for me. But one thing I've really had to learn and to understand is A, how my body works and creating connection with my body so that I understand it. Because I think the better I understand it, the better I can love it and nourish it and appreciate it and and work it in a way that it can be the very best it can be physically in terms of my health and my fitness and how I feel in it. But B, understanding that no matter what I do to it and how it looks, it's never going to make me happy. You know, I, I say this a lot of time to my clients and if you've ever done my online body acceptance course, it's part of this course. You know, I bet we can all think back to a stage in our lives and I am specifically thinking of a time when I was about 20, 21, where I would look at my body and I would look at a picture of that now and I would think it looked amazing. But at the time I hated it. I thought there were so many things wrong with it. And that there is one small piece of evidence that it's nothing to do with what your body looks like. The issue is the way you look at it 
and the way we've been programmed and the pressure from society and all these kind of external things and your mindset when it comes to your body. And something I've really learned throughout my 20s is my sexiness, my confidence, how I feel about my body comes from my mind. It's a mindset. It's nothing to do with what my body looks like. And you know, there have been stages throughout my life, my body has looked so differently, you know, I've had, I've had two children, I've at times been into the gym, I've at times not been into the gym, I've at times been ill, other times I've not, there are so many different things that I have changed, and my body has changed throughout, and none of them have made me happy, but what has allowed me to become at one and at ease with my body is changing my mindset on it. So changing my mindset in terms of what I believe about beauty and the pressures of beauty standards and all the kind of bullshit that surrounds that and rejecting that bullshit. But also realizing that for me, sexiness and happiness in terms of my body is a mindset. It's how I feel. It's creating a feeling for myself. And it's in the beliefs that I have about myself on a deeper level, not just on a superficial level of my body, whilst simultaneously doing things that make me feel good about my body. We all want to feel good. And some of that is nourishment in terms of of self-care and food and doing exercises like connecting with my body and self-compassion and things like that. But truly, trying to change your body will never fucking make you happy. Stop doing it. Love your body. Don't punish your body. Don't hate your body. Don't believe your body is not good enough. Exactly as it is now, it's worthy. It's excellent. It's perfect. It's beautiful. It's valid. It's good enough. Stop trying to change your body believing it's going to make you happy. If you want to change anything, change the beliefs you have about your body, the beliefs you have about beauty, attractiveness, self-worth and value. Step number two, real love is easy. Now this is going to be a controversial one and I'm not saying that relationships are easy because they're fucking not. Relationships are about compromise, they're about understanding each other, they're about being the best you can be for yourself and for your partner, they're about discussing things like love languages and it's about you know embracing communication and change and growth and each other and you know imperfections and flaws and all of those things but real love is easy, it's not difficult when somebody is fucking all in, they're all in. When somebody feels the way they feel about you, you know it. Don't accept breadcrumbs. Don't be led to think that, you know, because something is passionate or fiery and there's arguments that that means that it's good and that, that they must love you so much. Real love is feels like home. Real love is easy. Real love is peaceful. Real love is calming. Real love isn't exciting. And this is the misconception. I think people think they want that wild, passion, crazy love. Look at programs, you know, things like, for example, at the moment, uh, Daisy Jones and the Six is a program I've been watching. If you haven't watched it, I highly recommend it. Absolutely love the program and the music. But if you look at the dynamic between the two characters, they're fiery and passionate and bonded by trauma and pain and bringing each other down and and that's not love love is easy love is peace love is calm love is nourishment love is feeling like you can be exactly who you're supposed to be it's not about fire and passion and wild arguments it's not about that excitement it's not supposed to feel exciting sometimes it will feel boring and people don't like me saying that, but it's true. And you have to understand that boring isn't bad. We've really become accustomed to thinking that boredom or 
quietness or calmness or stillness means that we're not happy like we're not growing or we're not moving forward or it doesn't mean anything or or where's the passion but actually stillness and calmness and peace and feeling at home that's what love feels like that's what it's it's real and it's easy and it's it's meant to be that way don't get caught in the trap of believing that passion and and fire and excitement is what you really want because in the long term Sometimes it's not going to feel super exciting, but it's always going to feel like you're at home and you're at peace. Real love is easy. Number three, life never goes to fucking plan. (laughs) It doesn't matter how much you plan it, how much you make it work. It doesn't go to plan. And if it does, you probably won't be happy. What you think you wanted. What I told myself, I, I got married at 21. What I wanted at 21 is very different as to what I want now heading into my 30s you're going to change your mind. So therefore, you're going to change your plans. Life isn't going to go the way you think it is because things are always going to crop up. But even if they do, you have to be prepared that you might not want those plans anymore. Most of the time, things are going to happen that things are going to change course. It's not going to be how you expected it. It's not going to be what you planned. But even if it is, you have to be able and willing to accept that sometimes you're going to want to change that. You might have found that your life has gone. Maybe you were in the percentage of people, small percentage where life does actually go exactly the way you planned it. But you may find yourself finding that you don't like it, that it's not fulfilling, that it isn't actually what you want now, that it's based on a different version of you or it's based on the expectations of your parents or whatever it may be. Or it was based on insecurity that you had when you were younger, which you now don't have. Be prepared that life is not going to go to plan. Have goals, have expectations, know what you want and strive for it, but be malleable. Allow yourself to change. Allow yourself to accept that maybe something you wanted five years ago is something you don't want anymore. doesn't make it any less valid. It just means you've learned more about yourself and about life and that situations have changed. Life will not go to plan. Embrace the change. Realize that everything truly does happen for a reason. It happens exactly the way that it's supposed to. And don't be afraid to make changes to what you want. So if it does go to plan, but you no longer want that plan, you don't want to be a part of it, and you want something different, don't be afraid to make that change. Now, point number four kind of leads on from this, and it's this, you are the creator of your destiny. doesn't matter what experiences you've had, what disadvantages you're at, what has happened to you, I promise you now, you are capable of feeling happy, of feeling good enough, of having a life that you want, of creating relationships that work for you, of having a job that fulfills you, of having a a family environment that feels genuinely like home and love. Anything you want is out there waiting for you. Now, if you tell me that you want to grow fins and turn into a mermaid, okay, not going to happen. This isn't about saying you can be a dinosaur if you want to be a dinosaur. This is about saying that practically anything that feels out of your reach most of the time you can work towards a version of that and you get to create your own destiny. The expectations that other people put on you, not your responsibility. The roles that other people have you play in their lives, not your responsibility. Other people's happiness, not your fucking responsibility. Now, you have to be a helpful and functioning member of society. We have to help one another, love one another and be the best friends and partners and you know siblings and parents and all of those things 
But we also have to know that we don't have the pressures or beliefs or expectations of society or other people. We don't have to be restricted by those. You are the creator of your own destiny and your own life. You get to say what you fucking want, when you want it, and you get to try and achieve it. You will, anything you want within reason, you can create a version of that for yourself in your life and you get to choose that. You are the creator of your own destiny. Number five, self-discipline is the hardest tool to develop. Out of all the things I've had to work on, self-discipline is the hardest. It's one that I still struggle with. It's one that maybe I'll always struggle with. It's one that I research all the time and I find different ways, you know, for example, looking at routines and how I can make sure that my routine is structured whilst also giving me variety so that it keeps me excited and, and it taps into the dopamine receptors in my brain because I'm doing something new. Self-discipline is really hard, but it really does come from a place of self-worth. And I think the more you work on your self-worth and the better routines you have in place and the stability you can create in yourself, which therefore reflects in your life, even if you know there's things going on outside of you that you can't control, if you can create stability and love and peace within you, it does become easier to develop self-discipline. But it is one of the hardest things to develop. So don't beat yourself up for it. You know, I've done that so many times where I go, I should be, it should be be easy for me to do this or feel motivated to do this or want to do this but the truth is sometimes you don't want to do things sometimes I don't want to get up and do my morning routine but building self-discipline is based upon my worth and it's me knowing that even though I don't want to do this right now it's in my best interests a long-term future Rosie is going to thank me for it so having that strong sense of self-worth does help you create that self-discipline but don't be too hard on yourself if you find it difficult because self-discipline is honestly one of the hardest things to to create and develop Number six, learn to enjoy the little things. This is something we hear all the time, but I wanted to reiterate it because it's so important. I've missed so many moments of my 20s that could have been moments of joy because I was too busy thinking about the bigger moments or I was too busy worrying or I was too busy looking for the next thing or I fell into that trap of thinking I had to be more or have more or do better. And I missed out on so many opportunities within my day and within my life to find things that bring me joy to enjoy the little things, the small moments, and to make the very most of it. There's one thing I can encourage you, it's to proactively look for the little things every single day. It's proactively to find out what can I do to find joy in this moment. And, you know, I used to write off whole days as being bad days when actually there's pockets you can find, even if it's the smallest, tiniest little moment within a day that is tiny, little, but happy it's joyful, it brings something to you, even if it's just a level of peace or neutrality, there really is a lot of joy in the little things, in the simple things, it's not always about having the best this, having the best that, having the biggest that, having the most money, you have to find the joy in the little things, because there's so much more available to you than you even notice, we're missing the moments of happiness that are in our everyday lives, simply because we're overlooking them, and we're underestimating them, life is built in the little moments. If you look at the success of people, it's not built in the big changes they make often, it's built in the small habits they have every day. And I think a life full of happiness and fulfillment is truly built in those small moments, not just the big ones. So enjoy the little things, learn to embrace them and look for them and really dig out pockets in your day that are tiny little moments of joy and make the most of it. Number seven is romanticize your life. Bring that fucking main character energy. You know, 
romanticize going to get a coffee at Starbucks. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes maybe you imagine like you're walking and you're in a film and you, you are the main character. Do that. Why fucking not? Romanticize it. When you're sitting and you're doing your journaling, get your pens and your highlighters and make it all perfect and just love your fucking life. And again, it comes back to those small moments. Romanticize it. There's so much shit in our lives. There's so many heavy things that are going to happen. And there's so much hardship you're going to have to go through and you have already been through. I'm exactly the same. But you can romanticize the simple things and you can learn to fall in love with the simple things in your life and make it movie worthy. Your life deserves to be movie worthy. You know, if you've listened to me and the podcast before, you'll know that one of the rules I live by is if it's not a fuck yes, it's a no. I won't settle for mediocre. I want a fuck yes life. And romanticizing your life kind of falls into that category. It's about really fully and intentionally loving the simple parts of your life and making the most out of them because your everyday is your everyday. That's what happens to you, your routine, your basics, the things that happen. So if you can look at those things and those simple moments and actions as romantic and as, you know, from this main character perspective and like you love it and really romanticize it and make it, you know, something that feels meaningful to you, you're creating so many opportunities to feel that, to have that happiness, to have those moments. So just romanticize it because why the fuck not? Number eight, switching up the tone a little bit. I have learned in my 20s that I am not my anxiety. I am separate from my anxiety. I spent a long time believing that anxiety was who I was. I grew up with it. I'd seen, you know, people in my family suffer with anxiety. I believed that it was me and I couldn't escape it. And, you know, for those of you that know my story, if you, if you don't go back and listen to the episode about my, my struggles with anxiety in the past, but learning that it wasn't who I am and separating myself from it was a very big factor into me overcoming my anxiety. Now I sit here as somebody that I would say I, I don't struggle with anxiety anymore. And, and if you told me that five, 10 years ago, I'd never have believed you because I believed it was who I was in my DNA. I believed I could never step away from that. So understanding that I was separate from my anxiety was a game changer for me. So don't feel consumed by it. It's very easy to feel like that is who you are. It's not. It's something you struggle with. It's something you experience sometimes. It's not who you are. You are separate from it. And there is real power in that, you know, distinction between you and it and realizing that, yeah, Maybe it's something you have sometimes, but it's not who you are. And that was a really big change for me in in fundamentally overcoming my anxiety. Number nine, being successful isn't just about money and you have to create your own metric for success. I think there's so much pressure on people to be earning millions of pounds. We see a lot of stuff about, you know, Are you having 10,000 pound months? Do you have six figures? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? Now, don't get me wrong. Learning to handle finances and financial literacy and intelligence is something that has been really important to me in later lives, in later life and in later years. Like even to the extent, if you haven't read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I really recommend that you do. Me and my partner have the Rich Dad, Poor Dad game of life, like board game. And we pay it, we play it. And it is about, you know, learning about passive income and managing your income and like that might sound sad to some people but becoming financially financially literate and intelligent is important to me 
it's important that I pass that on to my children. It's important in terms of stability. You know, one of my, my core values is security and that has to be financial security as well. But I think there is too much pressure on money equating success and that being the only metric for success. Like I said, financial intelligence and literacy is important. We need to learn it. It's an important, valid structure in your life that is, you know, we can't lie. We need money to function. It's important. But it's not a determining factor in your success and you have to create your own metric for success. A lot of us have this idea that if we learn lots of money, earn lots of money, that is success and that will make us happy. That doesn't work. Money doesn't buy you happiness. We know this phrase. You know, cliches are cliche, but they're also true. That's why we say them all the time. And money doesn't bring you happiness. But creating an understanding and a good relationship with money is a positive thing to do. But understanding that it is not the only determining factor in your success is very important. And it's also important to create your own metric of success. So I would say to you, sit down and think about what does successful life look like to you? Create your own metrics. Number 10, failure is the biggest opportunity there is. Fucking embrace it. I've failed many times throughout my life. There are failures in business, in relationships, in all sorts of things. It's important. I've learned the most from the toughest times in my life, not from the best ones. And I have grown and I have blossomed and I wouldn't be who I am without my failures. Stop seeing failure as something to be avoided or something to be dreaded. And stop believing you're the only person that fails. Everyone fucking fails. Failure means you're doing something. At least you're trying. It means you're taking one step forward. Even if you feel like you're taking three steps back, you are moving in the right direction. You are trying, you are growing, you are learning, you are becoming, you are doing all of those things. Failure is not something to be frightened of. It's a fucking opportunity. Embrace it. Use it to your advantage. See it for what it is, which is a learning process and something you can grow from. Number 11, we've only got two left to go. You can be alone. Let go of the shit that seems scary. I was frightened for years to be by myself. I believe I had to be in a relationship to be valid. I believed I couldn't cope by myself. All of that absolute rubbish. And like I said, let go of the shit that seems scary. You, I used to really fear loads of different things that came with being single or being, you know, on my own, being independent. And I had to let go of all of that and go for it. There's nothing lonely actually about being alone. Some of the times I've felt the most alone in my life of when I've been in the wrong relationships. There is nothing lonely about being alone. They are two very different things. And you can be alone. Don't stay in a relationship because you're frightened to be alone. You can fucking do that. Like, this is going to sound so stupid, but like, I have to put things up in the loft by myself right now. Like, and I can do that. Funny enough, that's something I would never have done before. And it would have been such a simple thing that would make me think, well, I can't do that. I can't run a household by myself or I can't do this. Actually, I fucking can. I do run a household by myself. I do do all the bills. I do do all the jobs. I do all of it. And I can. And it's fucking liberating. You can be alone. You don't have to stay in something that isn't right for you. Maybe you live at home with your parents. You can live alone. You can make that move. Maybe you're in a relationship you don't want to be in. You can be alone. You can make that move. Move forward and start questioning and letting go of what you think is scary. Because trust me, it's really not as scary as you think it is. Now, number 12, the final one. Stop making excuses for other people and take them at face value. Now, there's a couple of parts to this. 
when we are empathetic and if you're a kind person and you want to see the best in people that's a really lovely trait but it can also mean that you make a lot of excuses for other people and I used to do this all the time and when we do that we fall into the trap of people tend to get away with things that we wouldn't let you know we wouldn't in the first instance agree with but the further down the line we get the more excuses we make the more attached we get we kind of then look back and go wow me in the beginning of this would never accept this so why am I accepting it now whether it's friendships work relationships general relationships colleagues parents any of those things stop making excuses for people take them at what they show you take them at the action they have you know they might tell you something and do another you know base your idea of them and what they do and what you think off of their actions and off of what they're showing you don't base it on their potential don't base it on the excuses that you're making for them take them at face value and stop making excuses for them now I'm all about giving people the benefit of the doubt and this certainly isn't about judging people I try very hard I never judge anybody I know what it's like to be judged and I also know what it's like to judge we all do it and I don't do that this is you know not about saying never giving anybody a second chance and it's not about not being understanding but it's about saying stop making excuses for people and take people based on what they show you take them at face value for what they are and also don't try and figure people out too much some of the time somebody will show us a behavior and we try and work out what it means we're actually we don't know we make assumptions take it based on what they show you do the best with the information that you have at the time but don't make excuses for them take them based on what they're showing you i think sometimes we need that reminder to just you know be real with ourselves and ask ourselves oh am i excusing somebody because i want them to be something that they're not Am I loving somebody based on their potential or who they actually are and what they're showing me? Am I choosing to ignore right, you know, what is in front of me? Because maybe dialing back to that earlier point, maybe I don't want to see this because I don't want to be by myself and I'm frightened to take that step. Are you ignoring something that's in front of you because you're too frightened to see what's really there? So those are just, I mean, there are a million things I could tell you that I've learned in my 20s, but those are just 12 of them. I hope that they bring you some sort of interest i hope that they bring you some sort of value i hope that there's at least one of them that really resonates with you and that maybe you can take into your life but i would also encourage you to sit down and think of the things that you've learned if you're in your 30s what did you learn in your 20s if you're in your 40s what did you learn in your 30s if you're mid-20s what did you learn in your early 20s it's always good to reflect and look back on what you've learned and try and put those lessons into practice because this is the next thing it's not just about learning these things it's actually about fucking learning them and making the changes that come along with that you know it's very easy to say I, I know this now but actually putting that into practice in my life is is the most the, the important next step so it's not only about learning these things it's actually about taking action upon them and making the changes that you want to see in your life based upon what you've learned so that's what I've learned I hope you enjoy it I'll be back with another podcast around my birthday and we'll talk about maybe the feelings around turning 30 um, but I hope you've enjoyed it I hope you're enjoying the podcast so far please do leave a rating you know anyone you want to share it with I would love for the podcast to reach more people because I hope it really is of value to you and of course any recommendations, any requests, anything you'd like to hear me talk about, drop me a message on Instagram. I would love to hear from you with feedback or requests. And let's continue to make this a space where, you know, hopefully you can find the confidence to say, this is who I am. 
thanks for listening to This Is Who I Am. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at selflovecoachingwithrosie. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.